Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain unlimited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home, too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. And now, Move the Sticks. Ten takeaways from week 16 with Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, and Rhett Lewis. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky, Rhett, back with you here for the takeaway episode. Uh, fellas, what's going on? It's all good, man. It's, it's just a crazy... You're so, so somber, Buck. Where's the excitement? No, 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 no. <laughs> for one, I didn't. I, I wasn't even anticipating it coming to me first, but I just think it's just a, <laughs> such a crazy time. Like, I'm seeing these teams just completely fall out of contention, having games under control, and so I'm just still kind of blown away from what I saw <laughs> over the course of the weekend. Well, I mean, like, this is why we call it the wild card, right? Because it is going to be wild in Week 17. We've got five wild card spots when you combine both conferences that'll be up for grabs. All three of the teams that are currently in the wild card of the AFC all have the same records there's a ton of different variations in terms of teams and seedings and a team we thought was probably firmly in and the Colts are now on the outside looking in it's there's going to be some fun here in week 17 as a result of what we saw here on Sunday 
Yeah, it's a crazy weekend. As we're just getting ready to start here, we got some more interesting news here, and that is the uh, Washington football team is is cut Dwayne Haskins. They they have moved on. Taylor Heineke, who was the COVID emergency quarterback as of two weeks ago, has probably practiced a handful of times with this team. Is out on the field first and ten. So done, um, done. And look to me. And some people are like, well, he hasn't played well when he's been out there. Yeah, no, he hasn't played great when he's been out there. They don't release him if it's just based off his play on the field. You do not punt on a first-round pick this fast, a top-15 pick, if you think, okay, you know, it's just an ability thing. No, this is because of the lack of maturity and the poor decision-making off the field, um, not putting in what you need to put in 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 preparation to get ready to play. And I think, you know, look, the, the, the whole strip club thing after the loss last week, was that was it. And, you know, he, he got another chance to play this week, did not play great. Uh, but, Buck, I don't know where you are on this. But to me, I push back strongly for those that say, well, you know, if, uh, you know, he just wasn't playing well. And at the end of the day, they just knew he couldn't play. There's no chance. You, you, don't, you don't pull the, the, the hook that fast on somebody that's picked that high. No, I, I think this had everything to do with, like, the other stuff. It had to do with the lack of maturity, the lack of professionalism that he displayed, um, his inability to get prepared and understand, I guess, maybe the – I think sometimes young guys come into the league and they don't really understand, like, the enormity of what they're stepping into when you're the quarterback and the franchise quarterback at that. And I just don't think he handled the responsibility the way that you would see it. And going into a different situation with a new coaching staff that has no ties to him, he did everything that he possibly could do to work himself out of the starting job and a job in the league. And so, look, man, I think this is a a, a pivotal point for him to make a decision on whether he wants to be in the league and a player or if he wants just the trappings of the lifestyle. But uh, he blew a tremendous opportunity, and it's a lot harder when you're out the league to get back in it because it leaves a stench. All the things that he did, it leaves a stain on who he is. And it'd be tough for his next opportunity if he gets another opportunity. It's funny when you – we had planned a different takeaway, DJ, obviously on this uh, Panthers-Washington game. And, like, one of the notes that I had written – wrote down was – uh, Haskins with just 13 career starts has seemingly sealed his fate in Washington. It had a question yeah, mark. Yeah. It, it had a question mark at the end. Uh, it does not anymore. It, it, no. it is. It is over. Um, you know, on the field, there, there wasn't enough to counterbalance what is conceivably going on behind the scenes, right? Mm-hmm. What's going on off the field, which we don't oh, clearly know the whole extent of, but we're starting to get some bits and pieces there. I mean, like, like you even go all the way back to last year when he was starting and he kind of had that weird interaction on the sideline, like with his offensive linemen where he's kind of like trying to plead with them. Like, what, what, what can I do? What can I do? And they're all just kind of like looking the other way. Yeah, like remember he was like taking a selfie. Remember he was taking a selfie with yeah, the hands at we, one time too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he like didn't have his helmet to go in and take the knee at the yeah, end for the win. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, look, there, there's a maturity thing. I think they, that they've documented. Um, and you just, I guess you like to see that that kind of thing not be a problem, especially for a guy wearing the C for the early part of this year before they stripped him of the captaincy. So I, I guess for that part, I get it. And, and Ron Rivera, you know, has no tie to him. So, all right, you're out, you know, like, let's see you later. Uh, I think it'd be a little bit different if Ron had probably, you know, if Ron had drafted him. Yeah, like, here, here's the thing. One. Why did he ever get the seat? Because I never sensed that he was their yeah. guy. Like it's a great question. All, like just because the you're the starting quarterback, it's almost like oh, if yeah. he's yeah, the like, starting quarterback, like, you get that. It's not how that all works. of the hoops that he had to jump through. They talked about a quarterback competition and all this other thing. Those things aren't 
representative of someone who is your captain if you're making him compete for your job, compete for his job like right out the gate. And I feel like, look, this this was a situation where I never thought that he was their guy. I just think he he just made it so easy for yeah. them to part yeah. ways because I don't think um, it was ever going to be a, a happy marriage. They were trying to kind of make it work, but he wasn't their guy and they moved on. And so now it'll be interesting to see what they do going forward because, I mean, they're kind of in no man's land when it comes to the quarterback situation. Like they're not going to be potentially in a spot to be able to get like one of those top, top guys. So what, yeah. what are they going to do with that? We'll have to look at it because I think that there'll be a, a pretty significant difference between the, in their draft position if they end up making the playoffs, right, as the NFC East eventual champion. And if they don't because of their record, yeah. it's, it's obviously not so great. Yeah, um, right now they're 19th because they're, they'd be winning they, the division. But I, I, think you're about, division. Yeah, I think you're yeah. talking about anywhere from 19th to maybe moving up to, up to 11 like or 12. Eight. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, like that's a big de- that's a big yeah. deal. Yeah, but will, will they be in range to get one of the guys? Like that depends on if you if you think there's four you know that are top ten worthy, right? I mean that's that's eventually the discussion that we'll yeah. have to have, right? Um, I think that's I think that's I think that's very likely we're going to see four of those guys go. The well, last thing the last thing I'll say on this when we can move on, we talk a lot about it. And Buck, you know when you've been in that room when you're interviewing these kids at the combine, you, you're trying to figure out do you do you uh, love playing football or do you love what comes with being a football player? Mm-hmm. And to me, this is this is like example number one. You want do you want the everything that comes along with being a starting quarterback in the NFL, or do you want to do everything you need to do to be, to maintain uh, the position as a starting quarterback in the NFL? And I think Dwayne Haskins is a great cautionary tale there. Yeah, the other thing I'll say is it's tough sometimes to play in your hometown uh, yeah. with all of the 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 negative influences that your friends and confidants and stuff can have on you. I don't think it's always ideal, and so I think this was. Kind of like a something that was destined to blow up from the start, and it blew up in yeah. year two, uh, earlier than anticipated. But year two, it, it comes to an end. And I'll get us to our next takeaway here, and just kind of say this: I mean, on the field again, there just there wasn't enough, right? And he sacked forty nine times in thirteen games. And Taylor Heineke comes on in the second half of this game and looks way more competent running the offense. QB number four, like that's, you know, that's an indictment on on what you're seeing on the field as well. And it's probably all intertwined at some point, but I'll get us to takeaway number two. And that was a historic day in Kansas City. Darrell Williams to the right of Mahomes. Here comes a sellout blitz. Mahomes over the middle. He's got Kelsey at the 40-yard line. Coming to the near side, 45 to midfield. Angling, still on his feet and out of bounds. Travis Kelsey with that reception gets up to the 44-yard line. The National Football League record holder, Travis Kelsey, the all-time National Football League record holder for receiving yards in a single season by a tight end. So there you go. Um, and that wasn't the only reason that this was a historic day. Travis Kelsey breaks George Kittle's single-season receiving yardage record for a tight end. He's leading the league in receiving. Like, he could be the first tight end to lead the league in receiving yards in a season. And, oh, by the way, earlier in the game, caught his 100th pass of the year, which now makes him the only tight end in NFL history to have multiple 100-catch seasons. Um you know, and, and you even go back to it, that touchdown that he caught at the end of the first half was a stabilizer for Kansas City because they were shut out to that point. They were able to go into the half tied with Atlanta, uh, who was doing some things on defense that gave them some trouble. And, um, you know, 
I, I, Kelsey is always that stabilizing factor for the Chiefs offense. When things are breaking down around them a little bit, he's always there to figure things out. Um, and so with that win that Kelsey was a big part of, the Chiefs become the first number one seed in the new playoff format. They will have the only buy in the AFC and we'll see them in the second round. So now it makes you wonder, what do they do here in week 17 in a game that means nothing, knowing that you're going to already have another bye week for your starters before the divisional round? Well, I think they need to play because I don't think the Kansas City Chiefs have played really well. And if you ask me, I think they're kind of right to be knocked off early in the postseason because this hasn't been a team that has played Spicy. really, really well. And when you look at the way the Falcons play the game, the Falcons control the game. Like, surprisingly, this was a close game. The Falcons aren't a great team, but they were able to dictate the terms. And it took the Chiefs kind of finding their way of late. And so when I look at this Chiefs team, I just wonder, are they going to be able to, like, hit it running in the postseason? Because normally you like to see people playing teams playing their best ball going into the postseason. They're winning, but I don't think if you ask Andy Reid or anyone within that locker room if they're playing their best ball, if they would say, yes, we're playing our best ball and we're ready to go. I just wrote down the word bored. They just look completely bored to me. Um, and people can look at that and say that's that's scary when you get to that point where you're bored. And, and I hear you, Bucky, saying you know they need to go out there and not have two weeks off. I don't know. I, I tend to, to look the other way and say, look, this team is bored. Um, they have the best team in the NFL. If I'm Andy Reid, I want to make sure I'm bringing the best team to the playoffs. I, I don't want to. I don't want to lose anybody uh, in a Week 17 meaningless game against the Chargers. So um, there's risk in that. You could come out a little rusty. The good news is, if you're the Chiefs, you have a lot of examples. If you're coming out rusty in football games, and you go back to the playoffs last year, but when you got fresh legs and you got the best players on the on the field. Uh, they, they, they found a way to win those football games. So mm-hmm. to me, the worst case scenario for the Chiefs is you don't bring your, your best guys with you to the, to the dance. So um, you've got an opportunity to rest a little bit. I think you'll see them play a quarter maybe, um, and yeah. then I think you'll see them get them out. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting how they do it. Like normally when Andy Reid has time off, he gives his guys a lot of time off. I do wonder because you have to make the debate rest versus rust and yeah. how much are you willing to sacrifice? How much work can you get your guys – in those two weeks before you tee it up again. So, look, that's, that's something you can do because they are a team that is explosive. And you are right. I've likened them to Golden State a few years ago yeah. when they knew that they could just win whenever they wanted to roll out the balls and shoot the threes. They're yeah. kind of like that. So we'll see. All right, let's keep it going here to uh, takeaway number three. And that was the game I was at with the Chargers and the Broncos. And, uh, man, Jerry Judy dropped the ball. Clock now climbs the pocket again. That was a hold, by the way. Looking downfield, there's Adderley. Helps break it up. Boy, I thought he was going to be able to intercept that ball intended for Judy. Did Judy just drop that ball? Dro- I thought it was going to be an interception. Then I thought it might be a touchdown because Jerry Judy leapt up and it looked like it went right through his hands. Oh, that's oh my gosh. Drop. Hit him in the hand. Adderley was actually out of position. There were five drop passes from Jerry Judy in this game, including one at the very end on a deep post that went right through his hands. He could have run right through it and would have scored, would have won the game. Uh, but he dropped a corner out for a touchdown earlier. I, I can't remember, Bucky. I don't remember ever seeing a, a receiver have that many drops in a ball game. Five of them. They're playing in a climate-controlled, perfect conditions there at SoFi. Um, and then after after one of them, he came off the field. He chucks his helmet um, on the bench. Then the one at the end, he ended up going out and, and sitting on the bench and was almost kind of pouting a little bit for a couple plays before trying to get back out onto the field. He was in a bad place, man. And even the ones he caught, there were double catches. There were ones where he's just trying to corral the football. You can see a lack of confidence. And that 
uh, man, that that was much, uh, that was concerning. How much was that in your report on him coming out of Alabama? I, have, at I, all? Have, I, I read it uh, yesterday, actually during the ball game. I had there was issues with concentration drops, so I didn't think he had bad hands. I just thought he had some concentration drops, but it was it wasn't to this magnitude that we would see something like this. I mean, you look at the targets he's had. I think he's had close to like 100 targets, and he's got like 45, 50 catches. It's not I mean, a good rate. It's not, not a good, a good rate. rate at all. Um, and some of those are drops. Some of those are bad throws. But, man, they have when, – when you look around the league, at Buck, at the receivers, the young guys are having success. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know he's got – you know, the numbers look okay with 600-plus yards and, and everything. But, man, he is, not, he is not stacked up to where we thought he was going to be. No, and then look, it, it, it's a bit of a snowball effect when you start dropping balls. He, he had a couple of drops early in the year. There was a game where he, he had a critical drop that kind of impacted him. And I, I do believe it begins to play tricks with you. And what you saw, DJ, when you have five drops or multiple drops in a game, it does become a, a fear factor thing when the ball comes your way. Should I catch it with my hands? Are my gloves okay? Are my gloves tactified enough? Do I need to wipe them? And so from a mental standpoint, this will be a huge challenge. I will say this, the silver lining, uh, Jerry Rice years ago went through that his rookie year where he was a, mm. he had a ton of drops. And I remember as a kid watching him drop a ball in a playoff game against the New York Giants. And they talked about how he has the drop season. He went on to be the greatest receiver of all time. And so this is something that Jerry Judy will have to work on. He have to not only work on it from a physical standpoint, but I would think that somewhere sports psychology would be tied into this to kind of help him find some coping mechanisms to deal with this going forward. 106 targets this year, 47 catches. That is a that's got to be the league worst as far as target to catch rate. Uh, we'll have to check on that. Um, so the thing I'm, I'm thinking here is next season, obviously for Denver, a team that's not headed to the playoffs. James Palmer was reporting that uh, the Broncos are going to bring Vic Fangio back for a third season. Where will they be on Drew Locke heading into year three? Because, you know, obviously the, the drops affected his line in this game, but I don't know that drops have been, you know, the biggest issue for the Broncos offense all season long. They lead the league in giveaways. That's an issue with 32 of them. Where do you guys feel like the Broncos will be on Drew Locke going into year three in 2021? I mean, I mean, I think it's a thing where they'll look at him and, I mean, it's almost like an incomplete grade. I, I mean, I don't know how you can – grade him fully i mean he's been up or down he's a he's a second year player right and those things and 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 so i mean if you have an opportunity to upgrade position yet sure you can pull the trigger but i mean i don't know like it's really hard because we kind of want these guys to hit the ground running as young quarterbacks and if all the pieces aren't in place meaning a strong defense a strong offense offensive line and all that it makes it difficult. And even when we talk about the upgrades at wide receivers, playing with a bunch of newbies, like you got a bunch yeah. of rookies out there trying to learn together. Like it's kind of hard yeah. for it all to come together for a young I, quarterback. And I, I would just say people forget Cortland Sutton's one of the best receivers in the NFL had played this year. So yeah. you're going to get him back next year. Now, I think they have a lot of weapons when you add in Fant there, the tight end position, the young receivers they have. In this game, uh, Hamler got knocked out. Denzel Perriman knocked him out in like the first series of the game. So mm-hmm. he didn't play. He played okay. Um he had a terrible decision, which that that tends to creep up a red zone pick. But I, I think with with watching him now, a couple times that I've seen him now, three times I've seen him live over the last two years. When they pick up the pace, when they get no huddle, when they get on the ball, it's like this this is where he's comfortable. This is what he did in college, and he plays so much better in those two minute situations and in the hurry up situations. They need to figure that out. I, to me, I don't understand with some of these teams. Like you see these guys play so much better in that environment, and yet you don't do it. Like. I would be living in that type of environment. And they have the speed everywhere else where 
man, you could put pressure on teams if you played with that type of pace. Because, DJ, like, it's really, really hard, especially if you're old school traditionalist. It's hard to get out of your own way and say, hey, let's up the ante. It may require some simplification. we got to do some different communication things to make this happen. But you're not just talking about the quarterback being comfortable in that environment. Let's look at the composition of their skill players. They all played in no huddle, hurry up, fast things that didn't require a lot of thinking or whatever. And so there is something to that. And I think you might get better performance out of that. The thing about it is you have to be able to do it while also protecting your defense because you have those series, you can expose your defense. But there certainly is a way to introduce and inject some tempo to their offensive approach. I think so, too. What do you got here? What's uh, what's the next takeaway here? The Ravens are peaking at the right time. Ricard in motion to the right. Jackson drops the throw, fires to the end zone. Touchdown! It is Des Bryant. Two weeks in a row, flash the X again. And the former Cowboy has found a home not only with the Ravens, but in the Ravens' end zone. Hey, the Ravens are a team that's a scary team. I feel like this was a team that kind of fell in love with the hype that preceded them heading into the season. They kind of lost their way. Uh, on offense, and I think they've rediscovered how they should play down the stretch. Now, we can say that they're beating up on cupcake teams down the stretch, but they are playing the way that they need to play, and that play is run the football, run it often, uh, run it with uh, multiple ball carries, Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, Lamar Jackson, whoever, just run the football, and then occasionally take your shots in the passing game. When they do that, they're able to control the tempo of the game and get the game on their terms. Defensively, they've been solid, but I felt like their offense has been holding them back. If they are able to get into the postseason, I think they can present some problems for some of the matchups that they would potentially face when it comes to the seeding. So the Ravens are in with a win against the Bengals uh, in Cincinnati, or they can get in with a Browns loss versus the Steelers or a Colts loss to the Jaguars. So a couple of different ways the Ravens can get in, uh, but the way that they will stay in is with their run game which has absolutely taken off over the last month. Um, 140-plus points in the last four games and over 900 rushing yards as a team over this four-game win streak. Uh, I mean, they went for 240 in this game against a good Giants defense. Really, their strength is in the interior, right, on that defensive line with uh, with Dexter uh, Dexter Lawrence and, and, and the crew that they have up front. So, I mean, I, I thought that was pretty impressive. Um, and so, you know, it – it is kind of interesting seeing the Giants take a slide. I think they had kind of given us a false sense of what they are after that four-game win streak, beating the Seahawks, with Colt McCoy. They're now working their way right out of things here in the NFC East, although not done yet. But definitely more impressed with the way the Ravens have been running the ball here the last few weeks, DJ. Yeah, and I, I think it's their best combination with Gus Edwards and, and J.K. Dobbins. And and to me, when you add that in with Lamar Jackson, they've got three guys now. When you look at the runners in the league that have had more than 80 carries this year, the Ravens have three in the top 10 in yards per carry. I think I think you look at Lamar, he's second in the league, and you've got Gus Edwards as, as well as J.K. Dobbins in the top 10. So you're getting over five yards a pop every single time one of those three guys has the ball underneath their arm. Um, that's going to be a problem for teams in the postseason. They kind of find out who they are. They've gotten back to what they do best, Buck, to kind of get to your point. And I think they've – they're a dangerous team. I know they haven't done well in the postseason previously, mm-hmm. but I feel like they were they were kind of a marked man in the postseason with everybody gunning for them and all the expectations. Playing with house money now, uh, they're coming in. They're going to come in as a wild card team if they get in, and I think they will. Um, and I think they're a little bit better positioned to kind of be hunters instead of being the hunted. Yeah, look, I, I think it's all about the seeding and who they potentially face. Um, uh, you know, I know I know Buffalo will be an issue 
uh, it'd be an issue for Buffalo because they typically do well against them. And also Josh Allen has those same things as a young quarterback who have to kind of prove that he can handle the postseason. Pittsburgh is always a good matchup for them. So it'd just be interesting to see how, how it plays out. Right, what we got here? What's next? <laughs> All right, I'm up. Uh, the Colts lack second half horsepower. Gets the snap. Steps up, throws it long down the field. There's a man trying to run under it. It's, it is Mike Hilton and over the field. The shoulder interception inside the 15 at the 10-yard line. Yeah, that one, that mm-hmm. wasn't a great one. A little bit of a four. Yeah, uh, we've, seen, we've seen that before. But at that point, the Colts, had, it felt like things were slipping away from the The Steelers go on this run in the second half after the magical halftime speech that Mike Silver is going to tell us about for Marquise Pouncey <laughs> and for Ben Roethlisberger. Somehow they, they were able to summon uh, their inner offensive uh, explosiveness and start throwing the ball down the field. Roethlisberger, 244 yards and 136 passer rating in the second half. Most passing yards we've seen from him all season long. Um, the Colts, for their part, converted a singular third down in the entire second half. And uh, they really got away from what they were doing well in the first half, running the ball with Jonathan Taylor. And defensively, they couldn't hang with the explosive play, whether it was Juju and Deontay Johnson were carving them up. Chase Claypool had a long catch in the second half that set up a scoring opportunity. So it was good for the Steelers to get that kind of production, stop the three-game slide, clinch the AFC North, Get a little feel good going into week 17 where you can get away with resting your players if you want to because I, two, whether you're two, two seed, three seed, I, I don't know that, that much of it is going to matter for you. And then um, the thing that will knock them out of the playoffs, though, is the fact that they are the worst rushing football team in the National Football League, yeah. which I, it still sounds crazy to me to think about. But uh, that's where they're at, and that's why I think it's still going to be a little bit of – a fool's gold for this uh, this 12-win Steelers team heading into the postseason. Oh, I think it's a lot of fool's gold when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, the fact that they can't get anything on third and fourth and one running the football is a problem. Now, they were able to luck up and somehow find the ball, throw the ball down the field and get some plays, Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. But to me, the bigger disappointment is just the way the Colts completely fell apart and went away from what was going well. They were physically beating yeah. up the Pittsburgh Steelers and decided to start throwing the ball. And it didn't make any sense. It, it really didn't make any sense when you watch. No, it's a good point. I, I would say that the only thing that was somewhat encouraging, because the first half I'm watching that going, man, I think Ben might be done the way he's throwing the football, like just yeah. not seeing it. And then the second half, Rhett mentioned the numbers, but there's just one play and we'll show this on the aftermath today, but he hit Claypool on a skinny post, a little bang mm-hmm. eight buck. And that ball, as you know, That's what I'm talking about. requires yeah. some pace. Mm-hmm. And you got to put that on him. And the fact that he was able to, to summon that energy to be able to get that ball there, and it was a nice, <laughs> firm, flat ball. Um, and one thing I did notice on that one, you really watch, you can see Ben, who's always been kind of more of an upper body thrower. It's just all arm. He's just had he, such a strong use his legs. He has legs in that one, man. He has legs in the ground, <laughs> in the ground, and was really you saw him drive off that. So I think some of this is Ben kind of learning how to play with this new arm that he's got, you know, following that. <laughs> I will say yeah. this too, DJ. Um, their defense has to play differently for them to win and to make a run in the postseason. Uh, Keith Butler has to continue to be more aggressive. I think you saw uh, an uptick in aggression in terms of the way they pressured and came after it. This team will go as far as their defense is able to take them. And so I think the thing that we have to monitor going forward, can they create negative plays consistently, meaning tackles for losses, sacks, and turnovers? They have to win and dominate that category for this team to win. 
And uh, Bucky, I'm going to get it right back to you here for your next takeaway, but I just want to give the folks uh, at home. So the Colts are now on the outside looking in. They now need a win against the Jags and some help. So they need a win and a loss by either the Ravens, Titans, Dolphins, or Browns, who are currently better positioned for the playoffs right now. The Cowboys are making a run. Big third and three. They really need this at their own 48. Dalton back throws it down the right side. Over the top for Lamb at the 30. To the 20. On the run to the end zone. How about Andy Dalton and C.D. Lamb and 52 yards. And the Cowboys have back-to-back touchdowns. Mm-mm. Don't look now, but the Cowboys oh. are getting the round in the form. America's <laughs> team has figured it out. When I looked at them play against the Eagles, I would say it was the best game that I've seen from Andy Dalton in a long time. 377 yards. The big three, the wide receivers combined for 13 catches over 300 yards, had three scores, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, and then Ezekiel Elliott. I know we've poured dirt on him, but he had a 100-yard game, and it was important because – he looked a little different. He was running with violence. He was running with force. And if he is able to give them that, it gives them a chance. And, oh, by the way, the defense has been turning the ball over at a, an alarming rate. Uh, Ten turnovers in the last three games. It's one of the reasons why they've actually been on a hot streak. So you go back and look at why you get enamored with the Cowboys in the first place, because they have some really good players, right? Um, and it's America's team. It's America's it, team. Well, of course, it, it is America's team. That is, that is absolutely right. Um, and, and so, like, it, it makes sense that they are making this kind of run. Dalton throws for 377. Uh, you know, this is a guy that's been into the play. He's been a playoff quarterback. I, I get he hadn't won a playoff game, but he's 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 played some good football in his career, and he's got some really good players out there. And Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup and Ezekiel Elliott goes over 100 yards. And you're like, yeah, the Cowboys should be making a run at the NFC East title, even with Andy Dalton at quarterback. And Right now, DJ, I'd feel most comfortable about the Cowboys winning a playoff game than any other team, any other team in the NFC East. The Cowboys have the best shot to win a playoff game. If they get, I I feel like every week I talk about a different team in this division. You know, going from one to the next. I I mean, I don't really believe in any of them. I think they're all fatally (laughs) flawed teams. Um, But you know, look, I think with Washington not having a healthy Alex Smith which I never thought that would be the case we'd be talking about this with them at this point in time in the season. But not having a healthy Alex Smith, that that puts them out, in my opinion. It, you worry about them. Um, then you look at, at Dallas. To me, I think the investment in Andy Dalton is going to go down as one of the smartest offseason moves. Uh, when yeah. you look at some of these teams, look at what the Rams are going to be playing with. We look at, you know, uh, Taylor Heineke is going to be forced into action probably for Washington with where they are. That Andy Dalton is a really good option if your starter goes down. I mean, this guy's starting this league, mm-hmm. won a lot of football games. He's 33 years old. It's not like he's 40 years old. Um, still got some left. And I think in this game, when you watch the tape, Buck, I came away impressed with Kellen Moore and the job that he did. A lot of a lot of quick game, uh, some empty, getting the ball out of Andy Dalton's hands quick, and then they set up some shots with that down the field. They hit CeeDee Lamb on kind of like a little tight wheel route for, for a touchdown after the, everything had been underneath. They jump it to the flat. They ran it to the side of where Slay was because they know Slay's going to be matched up in man coverage, so they run Slay off and just opened up that whole third of the field for the wheel. I, I think Kellen Moore's done a pretty nice job there as somebody that's got a shot, I would think, if he wants it at the at the Boise State head coaching job, or you know he's going to have a chance to be a coordinator in the league for a long time if he wants to do that. 
Yeah, I think he's probably going to get the Boise State job. I think that's probably something that'll probably happen in the next couple of weeks because I can't imagine anyone else being better positioned to get that job. I will say that in watching this team, he has gotten better in terms of learning how to call a game that complements the way the defense and the special teams are playing. Before, he was kind of operating in a silo, just kind of dialing it up. I think the last four or five games, he's kind of found his way in terms of how can I get the ball out to the playmakers on the perimeter while also protecting the offensive line that it has some issues. But this line has played together the last four or five weeks and they've improved. And so that's really been the key to their ability. And then on the other side with Mike Nolan, um, the defense still leaks oil, but he's found a way to kind of mask it. They're playing soft zones. They're doing a better job of playing with more energy and effort. And that has helped. And also the schedule has broken their favor because the last half of the schedule, they have played the lesser teams, the weaker teams on the schedule, and they've been able to beat up those teams. So now they have a chance to play against the Giants with Washington playing against Philadelphia. They very well can kind of back into the playoffs and give themselves a chance to go maybe on a little run, a short run in the postseason. All right, I'll get us to our next takeaway here. Uh, it is takeaway number eight, and it is the Browns fumble opportunities. And on fourth down, they need a yard. He keeps it. He drives, and he got pulled back inside the 15-yard line. The Jets think that they actually, I think they believe they pulled the ball away. They haven't spotted the ball yet. Here's the call. It's during the fourth down play. Remember, the offense, other than the fumble, recovered the ball. The ball will be returned to the spot of the fumble, resulting in a change of possession. Oh, the ball goes over. Mayfield fumbled the ball. Well, he did fumble the ball. Kareem Hunt actually recovered it. So that was actually one fumble that didn't actually uh, cost them. They didn't get the first down anyway. Uh, This this was such a strange situation for Cleveland. Plenty of reasons why, or excuses, if you will, they were in a position to lose to the Jets. Their top four wideouts were on the COVID-19 list and unavailable. Two of their best offensive linemen unavailable in left tackle Jedrick Wills and Wyatt Teller, uh, one of the best interior players in the league this year. So um, that part seemed to be as impactful in this game as the wideouts being gone. Cause you're like, well, look, Cleveland wants to run the ball anyway. This will yeah. just further their commitment and their emphasis on the run game. Instead, Baker Mayfield throws the ball 53 times. And, and I'm just like, I know they didn't have success early running the ball, but I mean, this was a Jets team without Quentin Williams. And you might remember they had lost 13 straight games at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not talking about the great wall of China up there yeah. uh, in front, uh, you know, as a run defense. So like the two fumbles by Baker proved costly. One of them was the strip sack. The other one, uh, actually both of them, I think ended up being um, strip sacks there. And they turned into 10 points for the Jets who were, have been opportunistic the last couple of weeks. Um I just it didn't it didn't all add up for Cleveland, who could now squander their best opportunity in the last decade to get back to the playoffs for the first time since I don't even I can't even remember when. Hey, yeah. flip, it, flip it around real quick, Buck. Is the Jet the Jets haven't turned it over so the last couple of weeks? It's amazing. Yeah. Even if you're if you're not a great football team, if you just protect the football and take the gifts that the other team wants to give you, you can be in games. DJ, it's the number one deciding factor in football. Yep. If you just win the turnover battle by plus one, you win 64% of your games. Plus two, it goes up to like 78, 80%. <laughs> and three is 94%. And so I will say this about the Browns, and I think sometimes it's easy for coaches and play calls to get caught up. Baker Mayfield was coming off a stretch where he played really, really well. They had thrown the ball successfully. And so I think sometimes you could get, 
seduced into thinking your quarterback is ready for more and that it's not like the system and the run game and those things elevating him. And I think this was a reminder to Kevin Stefanski that this offense needs to run through the running backs, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And unfortunately, miscalling this game might have cost the Browns a chance to go to the postseason because I don't know if they knock off the Pittsburgh Steelers because the Pittsburgh Steelers have always treated them like the little brother. I don't know if that changes going into the last week of the season. Yeah, yeah, it's disappointing. This is a, a Browns team that could be looking at a 10-6 and six season and not in the playoffs. That's uh, that's crazy. Uh, all right, let's 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 keep things moving here. As it moves forward, uh, one thing we do know for sure, we do, we do know who has the number one overall pick, and that is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Snap from center, play fake, Mitch going to throw, pressure coming from behind, lost it, down the left side, up in the air, snag, touchdown, Jimmy Graham, touchdown Bears, falling backwards, makes the grab, Bears are starting to pound the Jacksonville Jaguars. So we know right now Jacksonville has the first pick. The Jets have the second pick. Those two are locked in. So as we get a chance to kind of look at the future, it's fun, man. Next week we'll know. Obviously the season, the regular season ends, we'll know what that top 10 is going to look like. But I just want to give you a little bit of a snapshot right now if if you're listening or watching here. Jacksonville one, Jets two. How about this one? Uh, Miami, with that pick they control from Houston, is the third pick right now. Uh, so the Dolphins are in prime spot. Atlanta, four. Cincinnati, five. Philadelphia, six, which is interesting um, with their QB situation going forward. Are they move on from Carson Wentz? Do they stick with Jalen Hurts? Or do they go right back into the market here having to pick this high, which wow. they, would assume they wouldn't be picking that high? That's going to be a fun topic. Um, Detroit, new GM coming in there. There's seven. Giants at eight. Um, then you look at Carolina nine and Denver 10. So it's going to be, it's going to be a fascinating top 10 here. And, and knowing right now we have Jacksonville and the jets, I think the draft will say buck starts at pick number two. Cause it seems like, uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence that all, all but assured he'll be the first overall pick. All but assured it's done. I mean, yeah. I think about the Jersey, I think I'm just, you know, let's assume that nothing bad happens to him. He stays healthy. Yeah, knock, 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 on, yeah. Knock, yeah. Knock, knock on wood for Duval down there. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence, I mean, I can't tell you the level of excitement that they have in terms of that. Obviously, it'll take more for them to build a team, but they are well positioned to have a really good rebound. And so that's why it'll be very interesting to see who they decide is going to be the team builder. And if they move on from Doug Marone, who that team builder will bring as his coach. And so we'll see what it looks like. But, yeah, they're excited. Um, I think for a minute, though, we should talk a little bit about the Bears because the Bears are playing really well. I will say this. Um I feel like if you're a Bears fan and you're watching Mitch Trubisky, like you're kind of watching it like through like we're going to fall for this again, period eyes, because, man, there are some good things that he does. But then he'll make a decision that you're like, why? Like why? Into the first half. Into the first half interception. But Mike Lennon obviously paid him back because they threw an interception two plays later and let them do it. But it just like when he just stays within the confines of the offense, he is fine. And I think they've discovered something with David Montgomery. David Montgomery has really come on. Um, Bill Lazor taking this offense over has helped them lean into the running game more than they had under Matt Nagy. And so it's working. I don't know how long it can work for, but right now it's working because the running game has really steadied this offense and is kind of minimizes the contributions that you need from Mr. Brisky. But I'm not falling for it, Rhett. I'm not falling for it, even though he's a target. Okay. I'm not falling for I'm not falling I mean, for the Okie 
Right. So what what exactly are the Bears going to do? Uh, you know, like if they make the playoffs, they win a playoff game or do, like, do you have to go out and re-sign him now? I mean, like, is this something you got to do? You got you know, to franchise tag? Who's going to be better? Trubisky? Who's your upgrade going to be? That's my question. Well, not Where if you're picking, picking in the, the 20s. 20s. They're picking yeah. in the 20s. You're not getting one in the draft. Um, Let me ask you this. Is Andy Dalton an upgrade over Mitchell Trubisky? I, I think it's I've a seen, wash. I don't think yeah, so. I know, I and I know Mitch. I've seen Mitch play. He's had good moments. I've seen him play well in this for this mm-hmm. organization in this system. I've seen him have some success. I think the the, the play calling change there to Bill Lazor has has made a big improvement there for, for you him. know what I think. I don't think I he's think, the long term answer, but I don't think yeah. we have a better option in the short term. I think no, they are. I think, I think yeah, I think they have to keep it a year-to-year deal. I don't think – they have to be careful. They can't do the Blake Bortles thing because of the upset the apple cart in the locker room, especially if right. you have to move on from Allen Robinson or whatever. But they have to find a way to kind of keep him around. But I don't think he's going to have suitors on the open market too. So you, you're kind of competing against yourself when it yeah. comes to what you, you're dealing with with your biscuit. Look, I think the easiest thing, it's simple. It's simple. Ryan Pace goes and slips the seventh rounder to Howie Roseman and plucks Nate, uh, Nate Sudfeld away. And now you've got your <laughs> the next five Sudfeld mentioned. Nicely done. On that point, we'll move on from this topic. Bucky, you got the number nine on the takeaway? The Seahawks are rounding into form as a title contender. Third down and four. Hyde in the backfield. Russ with the shotgun snap looks out. Lays it up over the top. Hollister. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks. I think everybody on the Rams was looking for a short run. And here comes Russ going for the throat. And he finds Hollister in the back corner of the end zone for six. The Seahawks stretch their lead. It's a long call. It was a nice long call there. Beefy. Very, very, very long call. Here's the thing. The Seattle Seahawks are really rounding the form because their defense is playing better. Now, I know they haven't beat a murderer's row of teams with their defense playing at a high level, but they certainly have found their rhythm when it comes to mixing in Carlos Dunlap, Jamal Adams, and really the combination of Jamal Adams and Quandry Diggs has really steadied this secondary. And I'm not quite ready to proclaim them the Legion of Boom 2.0, but the secondary is playing better. We're not seeing the balls fly over their head. And for all the things that Jamal Adams doesn't do well in coverage, he is one of the best blitzes that I've seen as a safety. His ability to make plays when they drop him in the box and come off the edge is really remarkable. And they have leaned into that and they've made him really their primary weapon when it comes to getting after the pass. So here's my thing on them. Here's my thing on them, Rhett, real quick is – I think if they run into a good quarterback, they're in trouble. Uh, they've they've had they've had some good fortune here of who they've played. Now the interesting thing when you look at the NFC playoffs here, who do you want to avoid? Right, you want to avoid Green Bay first and foremost because of Aaron Rodgers. Then I would put probably Tampa on there with Brady, especially with what he's done historically. Well, that's what they're locked up with right now. I think so, right. So no, I think I think they would play the NFC right. Wouldn't. Uh, Tampa four or five? would be playing 4-5. Is that right? Or no, because and, we have the bye. No, it's 4-5. It is 4-5. Um, yeah. And I, aren't the Seahawks the four? Are they a I three? Thought, no, it'll be the NFC will be the four. Whoever wins NFC East with Washington right now. Oh, right, right. They'll be the three. So they'll play the, so the, the three. five. Yeah, I got, you. I got you. So, but I mean, to me, you look at avoiding the Packers and probably avoiding the Bucks. But then when you look at New Orleans with Drew at his age and, and not totally healthy, 
Um, you look at whoever comes out of the NFC East, whoever that's going to be, there's nobody, none of those quarterbacks are going to really scare you. And the way Jared Goff's got a broken thumb or whatever's going on with his thumb and he hasn't played well, you've got that with the Rams. And then you've got the Bears with Trubisky. Like they're only really, you look at, at one elite player at Aaron Rodgers that they could see. And then mm-hmm. Tom Brady, who can find those moments, but, you know, he's, he's 43 years old. Yeah. I mean, it does break in their favor um, in terms of the matchups. And I would say the same thing for like the Packers, like the Packers would get the bye, but their Achilles heel would be the running game, but there's not a running team that's really in the playoffs. <laughs> like there's not a team that's really committed to running the football. The NFC is kind of a mess to sum it up here, basically. Yeah, so so it, it comes down to matchups and those things. So, so I don't know, but yeah, I, I feel like, the Seahawks have tried in recent weeks to lean into the running game when they, they run the football and they give you less of rust. They actually operate better. And so I do believe he can get them out of jams, but they're well positioned to, to make a run because this is kind of what they do. Yeah. So right right now, as of right now, you'd be looking at a rematch with the Rams in the first round. Like if Ooh. it ended today, that's Ooh. what it would be. Um, well, Rams and then it could end up being Chicago or Arizona. The yeah, they don't want that. They want the Rams to lose out. They don't want to face the Rams because the Rams had, had really kind of dominated the matchup in recent weeks. I mean, in recent years, they, the Rams have kind of had their number in a way. If it's John Wolford, it could be a different story. Uh, yeah. So, okay. you know. Okay. I don't want to go off on How can John Wolford be your backup quarterback? How can you be a team? <laughs> I, didn't even do a team? I didn't even do him coming out. I, I didn't even write him. I didn't even DJ, write him up coming out. We talk about the quarterback position being the most important position, and yet yeah. I am amazed at these teams that are okay with just a guy as the backup quarterback position. Yeah. And the Bucky, fact you know who, you know who has more c- career passing attempts than John Wolford in the NFL? Muhammad Sanu? Kendall Hinton. Oh, Ooh, wow. nice. Nice. His Wake wow. Forest, his Wake Forest fellow alum. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it is strange to have a guy with zero experience. Now he's played, he played decent in the preseason in 2018. Uh, so they've seen him. I mean, like they know, yeah. they're not, you know, they're not crazy. Like they're not just like, oh man, cross our fingers, <laughs> you know, yeah. but I, I understand the point. I mean, like when we're in that age of teams going out and spending for a good quality backup, um, but hey, they can't all have Chase Daniel guys. Okay. They can't, right. you, know, there's only one, there's only one. you know, it's funny because I was thinking about that. I was like, I mean, didn't you go and spend and you get Chase Daniel and then Chase Daniel right. does what John Warford may be. To me, it does say something about Blake Bortles, right? Cause Blake Bortles was their backup the year before John Wolford. And now he's and like the like, nope. fourth, fourth quarterback uh, in Denver right now. Yeah. It's a precipitous right. fall there. What's the last takeaway? Final here? takeaway. A big quick one here. Uh, Dylan King for a day. Rodgers out of the gun, hands it to Dylan, and Dylan gets the first down and it breaks free inside the 20. Kiss him goodbye. 10 5 touchdown, prancing through the snow. Dylan, 30 yarder, and Green Bay has reopened this thing back up. It's now 32 to 14 with 335 left in the third quarter, and what a game for Dylan. Put that snow in your pipe and smoke it, Packers fans. Everyone who is saying they weren't going to get any contributions from the top of that draft class should have drafted a receiver. Garbage. Give me A.J. Dillon all day long. <laughs> Just as I've been saying all year long. No, I haven't. But it was nice to finally see some contributions from the first three picks that they had in this draft. A uh, 100-yard game for Dillon and and. Guys, I mean, like maybe this is it all along, right? This is what they had hoped for this time of year, this type of situation with the weather, just to be able to go out there and smash mouth a team 
that has made their living smash-mouthing smash mouthing others in Derrick Henry and the Titans. And uh, they were the better team. The Packers were the better team on the ground. Like, it wasn't even really close in this game. You know, and this is the thing that I think they wanted. I think they wanted the ability to be able to morph their style when needed. Um, not necessarily being able to use A.J. Dillon for the entire game, but when we think about four-minute offense, being able to soft the game away, being able to slow the game down, and also to have an alternative form of offense if, for whatever reason, Aaron Rodgers wasn't on his game or if you needed to change it up because of inclement conditions or those things. And so I think it makes the Packers a more well-rounded offense and gives them a chance to really face any style team. And so, look, it's, it's a good move. He had 100 yards. And the thing that stood out to me in watching that game, he is so big. I cannot imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine. Maybe it's the yellow pants, but I was like, I can't even imagine one to run up and deal with him in the hole, especially when it's cold, cold, DJ. Yeah. Like, cold. <laughs> it, it gives them something in the cold weather. Man, those DB, they're going to turn down shots to be able to want to hit him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I, to me, it looks like this is a little different Packer team with the the way uh, they can close out games now with some physicality there. Um, the other thing is when you start seeing guys like that, um, you know, run the football, it gives you confidence that you can shorten the game. You know, if the mm-hmm. Packers can yeah. get out to a lead, they can shorten it. Um, so that was encouraging. And the other thing is, look, it, I think Rodgers had four incompletions in this game. To play that well in that in those conditions is yeah. crazy to me. Uh, how easy he made that look. Hey, uh, quick bonus takeaway uh, here, guys. Uh, you get a little, you know, it's it's week sixteen. Time for a little, you know, a little extra to reward all of our our loyal listeners here down the stretch of this season. Quick bonus takeaway, Nabil, could you set me up real quick? He had a little oh. adversity. Let him work through it. I, I get it, but ultimately, if it helps you win a football game, like at this point, if you're the three, yeah, if, if you're the if you, three and you, seven Dolphins, you, let him work through it. But you're the six and three Dolphins here, looking for win number seven, like. Go get it. Do whatever you have to go yeah, get it. But you're, you're no. But you're thinking of quarters and you're thinking of individual games. I'm thinking of seasons. I'm thinking of years. I get I'm thinking it of for careers. The and I don't 100%. think this decision lines up with what's best for the rest of this season. Because spoiler alert, we know what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. All right, pat yeah. yourself on the back, there, buddy. Yeah. Pat yourself on the um, back. Fitzpatrick comes in. Uh, we get you the big win. But uh, let's okay. let's wait and see. Let's wait and see what kind of damage. It is or oh, is it done? Tua Tungvaluwa does not term. have that tender of let's the sensibility where he is going to be irreparably really, hard. I just don't. I just don't understand this. I I, I really don't like. I I can't. See, Red, Red thought he was go. gonna. Red thought he was gonna do a victory lap, Buck, and he doesn't know I he's ready to get smacked. Yeah. Yeah. go ahead, give it to well, him. Even even during the game, DJ, like I can't understand not letting Tua work through this because you know what happens next year. Tua plays like a rookie all over again because he's never worked through any adversity. And so next year, are you going to do the same thing? Are we going to have this, this, uh, uh, what is it's it? It's a training wheels. I mean, this Bob Greasy, Earl Moore thing where they're, they're rolling in and out. Are we going back to I mean, give me I mean, Danny Werfel or I mean, uh, Danny Craig Morton and, yeah. and Roger Staubach where they're going run each other's plays in and out? I mean, Jesse Palmer I, I and uh, whoever I don't that, Shane Matthews. What we're doing like, it, it's crazy no. to me Look, to see it's it makes total sense you know you let Tua continue to prepare like the starter and he's out there and he's and look if he play if he's playing well he finishes the game if you need to come in and like just pull the righty out of the bullpen a little bit go ahead get some magic why not and what if the Dolphins win the dang Super Bowl like what if it actually happens and well, Fitzpatrick comes in not, and seals the deal not happening. that's not happening I mean but the other thing then you're, you're this is, you know what this is? This is when you go to the park to play hoops 
with all your buddies and you have your older brother who just like oh. he like he drops you off. You're like, can you just hang around? And then all of a sudden you're losing in the pickup game. You go, you got to bring your big brother to come in there. Come help us out now so we can win the game. I you know, don't know. And then they win and it's great. And they're going to go to the playoffs and like they're going to win. They might win a playoff game. And so what if Fitzpatrick has to play the last drive to do it? Like it's It's fine. <laughs> It's it so fine. Quarterbacks aren't that tender. Like, let them – they're going to be okay. A, 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 they are. They are that tender. <laughs> yeah, are, you are. Right. Look no further than Philadelphia, how that, yeah. how that has worked out. Um, so you do need to support them and prop them up. But I, to me, I don't, look, I'm just curious why they didn't take any shots with, with Tua down the field. And, and, you know, you can say, well, you don't think he can make those throws. If they don't think he can make those throws, then He's we've got a real problem. Then it shouldn't have picked him. If he can't yeah. go and play against Tampa too, um, that's a problem. Because I, I just sat and watched Justin Herbert take check down after check down after check down. And then yeah. once they came up, he hit the corner routes. And once he caught someone out of position, he threw it over the head. So, look, Tampa too has been in existence for a long time. And obviously, the Raiders don't play it well because Fitzpatrick hit a honey hole shot <laughs> on know. three by one on after the back side. After yeah. the Chargers did him the week before. And, and so I, I just don't understand. I just don't understand. I don't know what the long term benefit out of this is. So, yeah, like they, they won the game. They put themselves in a position to go to the playoffs. But are we going to are we going to start two in the playoffs? Because it might be too big for him in the playoffs. So let's start Fitz magic. I, I just don't understand this. If if this was going to be the thing, then they just should have kept Fitz magic in the thing. All right, that's our bonus takeaway. We gave you a bonus Fine. takeaway today. Rhett thought he was going to walk off. I win. Walk off there. <laughs> I um, win. All right. This is a fun episode, everybody. Thank you so much for hanging with us. We appreciate you. Uh, wish you guys a happy new year as well. We've got some more episodes coming your way, though. So be on the lookout for those right here on Move the Sticks. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain unlimited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store.
Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home too? The place to do it is Aaron's. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love. Online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Did you catch season three of This Is Digital? Season three of This Is Digital goes behind the scenes to reveal how digital trends show up in everyday decisions and actions, including digital lessons from the EV revolution and the chief digital officer's role in disruption and culture, featuring guests like Ekta Chopra of Elf Beauty and Tyson Jomini of J.D. Power. Do you have a digital mindset? Find out by checking out the latest and greatest on season three of This Is Digital and learn more at westmonroe.com.